Why do we do the things that we do? If I told you that I had the answer to that question of why people behave the way that they do, uh, what would it do for you? What would it do for you if you knew the reason behind why people acted the way that they acted? What about as a parent? How would that help you understand your children if you knew why they did the things that they did? We've talked a lot about that in this last quarter, and that's what has sparked some of these things. But what about in your job? What if you knew why people did what they did? Picture this. It's the middle of January, night before, the weather forecast, 6 to 10 inches of snow overnight. You and your family wake up the next morning. You find that the forecast was right, that there is 10 inches of snow covering covering the ground. As a husband immediately wakes up, turns on the news, hears about all the traffic delays, the treacherous road conditions, he becomes anxious and worried about his commute. The wife, on the other hand, wakes up, gets a cup of coffee, goes to their big bay window, sits and looks out at the beautiful snow, peaceful feelings shower over her as she beholds the beauty of creation. Then the two children age, two children, school age children wake up. Child number one flings open the blinds, begins leaping and singing, knowing that school will be canceled. He begins pulling out all this snow gear and planning a snow day adventure. Child two begins crying and moping around. Today was the day that she was supposed to perform in her lead role of the school play in front of all of the school children. The dad makes his way out to the car, huffing and grumbling under his breath as he begins scraping off his car and shoveling the drive. So here we have a mom, a dad, two children. They're all experiencing the exact same thing and yet it produces completely different responses within each one of them. Why do we behave the way that we do? Let me ask this, what was the dad wanting? What did he want? He wanted to get to work on time with as little as as effort as possible no complications, not dealing with crazy traffic. And he perceived that he was not going to get that. And he was frustrated and anxious, having to deal with more work, scraping the car, shoveling the driveway. And because he was not getting what he was wanting, what he wanted, he was grumbling and complaining. What was the mom wanting? Peace. Just a little bit of quiet, a little me time. Because I don't have to go snow the, so, shovel the snow, I can just sit in the bay window and have peace, and this is a great day for me. And what were the children wanting? Child one, he didn't want to go to school. He wanted to play in the snow, right? That's what he wanted. Child number two, the little girl, wanted to perform her star role in front of the entire school. 
So even in this simple scenario, as we start to examine all of the things, I think we start to see why people do the things that they do. Logically, we can start to figure out that even without biblical principles, they do what they want to do. We do what we want to do because ultimately we want what we want, right? Turn over to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and I think um, this scripture gives us some key understanding of human behavior. And we're just going to read the first couple of verses here. But in James chapter 4, in the first few verses, we see this scenario. It's a, it's a good place to turn to with maybe even a, a neighbor or a co-worker or a friend or even a child that is struggling with relationship, struggling with their inner feelings, struggling with how they react to people, or a parent who's struggling with their kids saying, why do my children do what they do? James 4, verse 1, the first part of it. What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? In other words, where is this behavior coming from? Uh, I think, let's see, New Living. What is causing the quarrels and fighting among you? Where is this type of hateful speech coming from? Where is this conflict and fighting coming from? What is the source of your behavior that produces this conflicting speech, tension, problems? What causes our thinking? What causes our speech? What causes our actions? What's the answer? What is the source of our behavior? Let's read the rest of verse 1. Is the source not your pleasures that wage war in your body parts? So what's going on? There's something inside me. Something inside me that's driving this, this feeling. What are pleasures? Uh, I think some other versions, NIV, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? New Century Version, they come from your selfish desires that that war within you? Holman Christian, don't they come from the cravings that war within you? And if we keep reading in verse 2, it says, You lust and you do not have. Or ESV reads, you desire and do not have. NIV, you want what you do not have. A lust. A strong desire. So what is the source of our behavior? I do what I do because... I desire what I desire. I want what I want. It really is that simple, but I'd like to flesh it out a little more. 
Hold your finger there in James and turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, uh, just a little bit of context. We'll start down in verse 10. But Jesus is with the Pharisees and they're asking asking him why his disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. It was, it was filthy for them to think of people eating without washing their hands. And it was disgusting to them. But Jesus explains that ultimately it's not what goes into our mouth that makes us unclean or clean. It is what comes out of our mouth that defiles us. Matthew 10, I'm sorry, Matthew 15, beginning in verse 10. And Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, Hear and understand, it is not what enters the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles the person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides to blind people. And if a person who is blind guides another who is blind, both will fall into a pit. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. It isn't, doesn't matter how clean your hands are. It's what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of your person. Verse 15, Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. Jesus said, are you also still lacking in understanding? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated. It's pretty, we know what that is, right? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And those things defile the person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, acts of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, theft, false testimonies, and slanderous statements. These are all the things that defile the person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the person. So what is the source of our behavior? Jesus answers the question. All of our behavior comes from the heart. Verse 19, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts what we think. Out of the heart comes murder, acts of adultery, immoral sexual acts, thefts. Comes our actions. Out of the heart comes false testimonies, slanderous statements, our speech. So, why do we do the things that we do? Back in James chapter 4, it says, is the, source of, is the source not your pleasures or lusts that wage war in your body parts? And here in Matthew 15, verse 19, Jesus says that the things that come out of our heart. So is there a contradiction here? Well, ultimately, I think it's pretty clear that what is in our hearts 
these lusts and strong desires are what drive us. So when we compare these two passages, we draw the conclusion that our heart is where our desires are contained, our motivating influences. I do what I do because I want what I want. And I think we see a very similar idea in another familiar passage, Hebrews 4, if you want to turn there. Hebrews 4, 12, you probably know it. For the word of God is a living and active and sharper, excuse me, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what is the intention, intentions of something? Well, it's the the intent, the purpose, the goal, the desire, the desires of the heart. So Hebrews 12.4 is confirming what we're talking about, that man's heart, man's heart contains our intentions and our desires. And I think there's something else that we learn from Hebrews 4.12. Uh, what is the only thing that can judge and deal with our heart? And I think this is key. This is key. What is the only tool that can diagnose and clean and cut the innermost part of our heart? What is it? The Word of God. For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word, His instruction, is the tool that He has given us to diagnose and to deal with the desires of our heart. The desires that drive our lives. God's Word, I think Dan Dan uh, said it this morning, God's Word changes our hearts. It changes our hearts by aligning our desires, our lusts, our desires, with God's desires. So why do I do the things that I do? Because I want what I want. Notice that in James 4, it doesn't say, it doesn't say, I do what I do because I can't help it. I just, I just speak my mind, and if you don't like it, you have to deal with it. It doesn't say, it's just my personality. I'm an, I'm an angry person. I was born that way. It's just the way that I am. If people don't like it, well, they can deal with it. I've always been this way. I'm just like my parents. And my grandparents, it's inherent, I am inherently disposed to act this way. It doesn't say that. 
These are the kinds of reasons that the world gives for the way that they act, for the way that they do the things that they do. So what is the source of our behavior? James 4 verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is the source of your pleasures that wage war in your body's parts. It, excuse me, is it not the pleasures that wage war in your body's parts? We do what we do because we want what we want. So let's put this to the test. <clears throat> Think about a recent time when you were frustrated, you were irritated, you were anxious, you were angry, you were depressed. Maybe that was today. Maybe that was yesterday. Maybe that was two weeks ago. Think about the circumstances and ask yourself, what were you wanting when you felt that, felt that way? What were you wanting? What was your desire that led to those feelings? <clears throat> I just wanted to Think about this. <clears throat> You're at work. You've had a really stressful day, but you have a meeting with a very important client. You go out of your way to treat them with kindness and courtesy. You show them around. You offer them drinks. But just minutes after the meeting is over with a new client, you're dealing with a coworker and you fly off the handle. You speak sharply, you're unkind. Why do you do the things that you do? Well, I was just having a really bad day. But it was only just minutes apart, right? You were able to communicate kindly with someone and then just minutes later you were sharp with a coworker What did the client have that you might want? Why were you being, why were you able to be kind to them, compassionate with them even? Possible, possible job, possible sale, possible contract, more money coming into the business. You, you wanted something, right? You wanted something and so you were able to squelch that bad day. You were able to be sweet as honey. But as soon as that want was either satisfied or had passed, well, what did you want from your coworker? You wanted them to be quiet and sit down, leave you alone. I don't know. Uh, something, something that irritated you. And you were able to turn on a dime What are some of the things that we want that cause us to have reactions? We want peace, right? We want, we want easy, no stress. We want safety. We want security. Money is always nice. Content. We want a comfortable, easy life. Convenience. Pleasure. Fun. 
Respect, we like people to respect us, show us uh, respect. We like people to like us, right? Uh, You might call that the praise of men. Are those things wrong in and of themselves to, to want those things? A little bit of peace, maybe a raise to help with some extra finances. When does it become wrong? When, when does a, a legitimate desire, even for peace, low stress, when does that become wrong? When does a legitimate desire become sinful? Well, I think James 4, verse 2, you lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Whoa. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. So, how many of you have committed murder? Show of hands. Yeah. Um, Remember when Jesus is dealing with the self-righteous Pharisees in Matthew 5, and Jesus says this, Matthew 5, 21, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. But I say to you, Everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be answerable to the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Wow. Um, I won't ask for a show of hands on that. You idiot. Shut your mouth. We paid a lot of money for this, buddy. You better fix it right now. If standing up for myself makes people think I'm rude, well, they got a problem. You better learn to respect me because I, if I don't get some respect, there are going to be heads that fly. Right? How can Jesus equate the outward action of murder, pulling, actually pulling the trigger, or in that time, probably more like a knife, right? With something like the inward thought of anger. How is this? How can Jesus equate these two things? Something very internal, mental, with something very physical, an, an action, an actual action or word said. Because it doesn't start with the outward action. It doesn't start with somebody pulling the trigger or stabbing someone with a knife, does it? By the time you get to that place of pulling the trigger, something has happened long before, long before in your heart. You're wanting something that you're not getting. And it builds, and it builds, and it builds. 
and eventually you lash out at someone. When do our desires become sinful? Well, when I am willing to sin to get what I want. You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. To act unrighteous in order to get what I want. Whether it's anger, I lash out, dishonesty, deception. An act of unrighteousness in order to get what I want. James 4.2 goes on to the point, point out another indication that our desire has become sinful. Verse 2, the second part of verse 2 And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. When I respond sinfully, if I don't get what I want. So when I'm willing to sin to get what I want, when I respond sinfully, if I don't get what I want. How do you feel when you don't get what you want? How do you feel when you don't get what you want? Are you anxious? Are you angry? Are you depressed? When we find ourselves feeling angry and anxious and depressed, we need to check our hearts. What is going on? What are we wanting that we're not getting? What are we focused on? What are we desiring that has become out of balance. God has designed us. He's designed our emotions as warning signs, like a warning light in the car. If they are trained to His Word, they will warn us. Our emotions will warn us. And we need to heed them. <clears throat> to wrap things up, the prophet Jeremiah believed that the human heart was fundamentally broken. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart of a human is deceitful above all, irreversibly sick. Who can understand it? He watched a whole generation of people turn away from God. They even started sacrificing their own children as if it were a good thing. That's how perverted they had become. They were doing what they want, wanted. This is why other prophets wrote that the only hope for humanity is a total renewal of a human heart. Moses predicted that if Israel was ever going to really love their God, their heart would need to be circumcised. That's an interesting, interesting metaphor. Peeled back, cut away, cut out. It's similar to what we just looked at in Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and both, and both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's Word is able to help us. It's able to circumcise our heart and cut away the bad intentions and thoughts. David, even after his murder and adultery in Psalm 51, verse 10, pleads with God, 
Create in me a clean heart. And Ezekiel longed and hoped for the day when God would remove the heart of stone and give his people a new heart of flesh. This is similar in Jeremiah's hope in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 31, 3, uh, 31, 33, that God would write his word upon the hearts of his people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I command to you today shall be on your heart. I hope these words have been encouraging. Help us to examine when we're having those feelings, those warning signs that are We're not getting what we want. Let's look into our hearts with the word of God and cut away those things that are causing us to do the things that we do that are not pleasing to God and replace that with the things that are pleasing to God so that we can do the things that he wants us to do. If you have any needs, uh, uh, please come forward as we stand and sing.